episode 408, How to Have Empowered Eating, Kevin Bersiago. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Hi, I'm Adam Lewis Walker, founder of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one personal leadership podcast network that is also a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tows and Tactics to Thrive, and also a TEDx talk, Awaken Your Alpha, How to Rise Up. You can see a theme here, but please do check these out. If you like the talk, if you like the podcast, you will love the book. The book is the best of the best, and it's available on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by The Talk Accelerator, helping thought leaders increase influence, income, and impact by achieving their talk. If you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talkaccelerator.com. How to secure and smash your own TEDx talk. You can also book in your complimentary idea clarity call there to talk through any potential ideas you may have. Get to the podcast. Right, this week we're going to be talking all about empowered eating. We have Kevin Bersiago on the line. He is a physical therapist. He helps people with their eating disorders. He's a quality guy. I've met him in person. We've done a lot of collaborations already. I'm sure there's more in the future. Future TEDx speaker as well, I'm very confident. But firstly, Kevin, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? I am ready. Awesome. So that was a very brief introduction. What would you like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment? I am helping people eat right anytime, anywhere. Ooh. So that's what that's what I'm about. I like it. I like that. Again, I thought I was sure and you've gone straight to the point. So if that perks your interest, this is the episode to listen into. I just want to jump into your origins. Where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us from today? I found out just now you was your dad was a Marine when you was born. So I've got a little bit of history, but tell us a, a little bit about kind of the, the journey and the origins. I didn't think I would end up here and who knows where I'm going, but I was, I was born in Tampa. And my dad was a Marine and he was stationed there. But I, I spent most of my childhood near Washington, D.C. Then I went back to Florida for grad school where I, I trained for physical therapy. And then I actually moved to Texas and, and my career has taken me to four different states. Right now I'm in Central California. Uh, who knows where I'm going after this? So it's, it's been a journey so far and who knows, uh, who knows what the next step is. It's been exciting. I'm an itinerant physical therapist, so I kind of go where the contracts are. I would like to go back to Texas at, at some point. Talk to us about likely your awakening moment, but what got you into specifically eating disorders as well? Because I know you've had some history with that personally as well. I never intended to do what I'm doing now. It's just that that's how my life unfolded. Uh, it started when I was 20 and for whatever reason, I just, I got really interested in, in fitness and health and nutrition. I, that's not what I was studying in school. Actually, I was studying geography. I got a BS in geography, if you, oh. if you can believe that. <laughs> uh, but on the side, I was always, I was always studying, you know, the, the fitness and, and the diet, you know, what should I eat? And that was, that was fine. But Pretty soon, my health started to suffer. I, I was losing weight, had no sex drive, and had no muscle mass. I was really weak. I was anemic, going from doctor's appointment to doctor's appointment. And so my original intention was to get healthy, and now my health was, was trashed. Yeah, so why, why do you think it went so wrong? Like you say, you had the right intention, and then it just basically. <laughs> I, I think I lost focus. 
I think the the original intent was fine. Be fit, be healthy. I mean, who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. But then eventually that evolved into I want to be lean and I yeah. don't want to be overweight and chubby and soft and you know, I don't want to have a dad bod, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's funny how how fast that goal shifted and I and I lost that focus. Uh, I wish I had never had, I wish I had never done that because the original intent was fine, but the execution was off. When did you notice or how long did it go too far and wrong before you had that awareness to think, okay, this, this is not good. (laughs) What's interesting is that there was no reason for me to, to modify my diet at all. So before all this, when I was 20, I was fine. I mean, when was rock bottom in terms of your eating disorders and the problems around your health and when it didn't go so well? Yeah, I was, I was in denial for the first couple of years, even though I was anemic, even though I was getting injured, even though people were giving me feedback, even though I was always weak, I still didn't what, make What was some change. of the feedback? What, cause again, this would be interesting for, if anyone's listening to this and they're like, yeah. Hmm, I'm not quite there or I think I'm healthy or I, I'm, I'm quite lean. What was some of the feedback you were getting? So people can maybe think, actually a few people have said that to me, potentially, you know, put us into that kind of, you know, experience. They were telling me how, how thin I was and how I didn't look right and commenting on, on my behavior. So I knew something was awry, that I was, I was in denial. I literally thought I was doing the right thing. Uh, looking back, it was obvious I wasn't. But I was so obsessed with having this like, lean fit body that I just didn't want to hear anything. And I was just going to do what I wanted to do. And every time I heard criticism, it only reinforced the behavior. Mm, interesting. Wow. Um, and what were some of the things, um, that's obviously the mindset, but, and it's yeah. very interesting, but what were some of the things that you think like fundamentally you really kind of didn't quite get the balance or just went too far in certain areas? So I'm sure some things that you're doing maybe in, in more in moderation wouldn't be too bad, but where were some of the key things where you feel like, knowing what you know now and if you know helping other people you're like oh that's you need to stop doing that or you need to do a way less of that and more of this what are some of your thoughts around that and where you um some of the core things that you really got the balance wrong yeah so what did i go to wrong i i just i cut out entire food groups i literally weighed everything oh my goodness that i ate i mean it's massive known, waste of time but. i've known someone before like i feel like um i'm not going to mention anyone but i'm saying i've known someone before and i felt like in terms of that obsession their whole life was food because when they weren't eating they were prepping food for the next exactly. eating session and then as soon as they finished that was their whole life because their food took so much prep and like every everything was weighed so apart from physically that was taking up all their time mentally that's all they thought about and talked about and it was exhausting and it was, um, yeah, it just became an obsession. And I, that person as well, you know, that was, they took it too far and that was an unhealthy phase for them. We're, again, with the intention of being healthy. So, I mean, what was your lifestyle like around that time? Like that, always prepping, always planning, multiple meals a day. It's almost like that was my entire schedule. And it was my, my singular focus in life. It wasn't school, it wasn't work. I didn't have any, any goals or ambitions at this time. I think that was part of the problem. Like I didn't sit down and think about what my life was going to look like in five or 10 years. I was just 
aimless, not going anywhere, just wanted to graduate school and get out of the house and, but really nothing tangible. I didn't, I literally don't know what I thought my life was going to be like in five or 10 years. I was just so focused on my fitness and my performance and my diet and I ignored everything else that mattered. What was kind of your, your moment where you snapped out of this and, and cause obviously uh, it's a tough, tough rut to be in. Like you say, it's being reinforced when people are kind of like, Hey, by the way, or just like coming from a, I'm assuming some of them from a place of wanting to help or just like this, you know, and you're really, that's really reinforcing your kind of your bad habits and getting more obsessed in some ways. So when was the kind of the moment when you made some big changes and how quick did it turn around? How did you get out of that rut? Cause I know there will be people listening to this or I've been in that rut or heading into that rut or currently in it now. Well, my brain did that for me. So after a couple of years, I, I started to chew food, but then I would spit it out. So I was just like, chew it, spit it, chew it, spit it, chew it, spit it. And it was kind of like, it was really addictive because it was like, I could have that, that rush, but then not ingest any of the nutrients. Of course, not, now, now I know that I was ingesting some of it, but I pretended that I wasn't. So now I wasn't even swallowing food. I was just chew, spit, chew, spit, chew, spit. And then that eventually turned into binge fast, binge fast, binge purge, binge purge. And it's just like this cycle that went on for multiple years. So that's how I got out of that initial wow. stage. Yeah. In terms of eating disorders, I suppose it might be easy to say, which, which ones did you not have or which aspects did you not kind of do? Or was it, so you was, you was throwing up, you was on purpose by the sounds of it, when you were could, obviously yeah. chewing and spitting. So you don't even need to throw it up at that point. You just spin it out. The only thing I didn't have was full blown anorexia. I don't think I ever reached that point. I was pretty close. Yeah. It's pretty close, but I would, I would call that orthorexia, just, you know, this rigid obsession with my diet, but never, never to the anorexic stage but yeah. everything else yeah pretty pretty much did it wow so and when you was obviously doing all of these things or you know in succession what were some of the results or consequences to you in terms of like you said you was getting injured more um, what were some of the things that you noticed in terms of compared to how you are now that were that happen in your daily life you just mentioned mood and and um you know injuries and i mean were you very successful to illnesses and things talk to us about the the consequences uh, well, in the early stages, so when I was 21, 22, and orthorexic and underfeeding myself, yeah, it's stress fractures and low testosterone, no sex drive. I, I would always get really tired around one or two in the afternoon. I would just have no energy. My legs were heavy, didn't want to do anything. I was just tired, wanted to go to sleep. So I had all of these symptoms. I knew something was wrong, but I just kept denying it. I didn't, could not make myself feed myself properly because I was so afraid of gaining weight, even though that, that was ridiculous. I was 22 and training for triathlons. It's like, what did I have the fear? It was just irrational fear. Yeah. I, I know you, you talked about kind of whole food groups and as a, as a former athlete, well, I should say, I, I like to think of myself as an athlete permanently, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, the former athlete is fair. Um, I always felt like carbohydrate is an athlete's best friend. What was your thoughts, obviously, doing things like triathlons? And which food groups did you almost completely cut out? And, and carbohydrates, for example, did you? Uh, what was your relationship to that carbohydrate when you were training and obviously going through all these problems? I wasn't anti-carbohydrate, but I didn't eat a lot of starches. Okay. 
And so I first I started off cutting out red meat, and then I didn't eat a lot of um, dairy. So there goes dairy, there goes red meat. I was having some fish, lots of fruits and vegetables. I wasn't even eating potatoes and like whole grains and yeah. so like rice and quinoa. I wasn't even eating that. I was just eating fruit and like really boring, bland cereal uh, and maybe a handful of nuts. It was a really poor diet yeah. for, especially for 22, 23 and working out one, two hours a day. Yeah. They just put me on a testosterone supplement. At first it was a patch and then it was this, this tube. And so I'd have to remember I had the break. So they paper. tested you and like officially got that your testosterone was through the floor kind of thing. Yeah. I remember it was, at, at one point it was like 30 nanograms for deciliter. And for somebody that age, that's, that's extremely I was low. Say, yeah, Most, 23. I mean, what would give the people the guidelines of what would you think would be the average and then high testosterone, but even for that age, for example? Uh, I would I would say minimum 200, 250. Um, for 22-year-old males, but probably yeah. more like seven or 800. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe even close to 1,000. But I, I knew that. No libido, no sex drive, no interest in women, um, inability to repair damaged tissue. The signs were all there. It was obvious. Yeah. You're in denial. So what's, what snapped you out of it? When was the, can you think of that kind of that, <laughs> we, I'm on a show like this, we call it the awakening moment of when, you're obviously in denial, kind of aware about it. And then at one point, you've obviously, you turn the corner and you've got to start fighting back, as it were, and getting back to where you are today. So what was it in the end? Uh, well, that, that took a long time. So like I said, what got me out of orthorexia was the uh, first episode of chewing and spitting. Mm. Right. That's, that's when I started losing control. Like, I, I guess I could only control my diet for so long. And then it's like, snap, one day. Still can't explain it. Yeah. But then, yeah. So then after many years, 20s, grad school, <laughs> early 30s, uh, you know, where I'm in this constant cycle of, you know, binge fast, binge restrict and inability to control what goes into my mouth, inability to just eat regular meals on a consistent basis. What I, I realized that I had the change and I had the change now. And Today was going to be the best day to do it. Yesterday was better, but yesterday's gone. So today was better. I was never, it was never going to be easier to make the change. So I could wait a month, a year, whatever, but it's only going to be harder then. Nothing or nobody was going to do it for me. And I, I had all of the willpower and strength that I was ever going to have. It was those revelations because it was really easy to say, well, tomorrow it'll be easier. Tomorrow mm -hmm. I'll have more willpower. Tomorrow I'm going to be. Superman tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. <laughs> and so there, there's this, there's this quote, I think it's a Tony Robbins quote. And he says, the road, the road tomorrow leads to a place called nowhere. Yeah. You know, the road someday leads to a place called nowhere. Uh, it, wh whichever one it is, it, that was always me. It was like, tomorrow I will, tomorrow I will. And it's, it's hard to look in the mirror and realize, oh no, I've actually got to make those hard decisions now. Yeah. At what point did you feel like you got any kind of positive reinforcement in terms of your moods, your body and thinking, oh, this feels a lot better. You know, I'm not as tired as I was. And so then once you're, you know, once you're on that sort of track, I, I imagine it gets a lot easier because you feel, oh, okay, here we go. But how long and when did you, what were some of the first positives that you personally noticed that really reinforced that this is the way to go? 
I know this is going to sound kind of superficial and vain, but when old clothes started to fit mm. better, uh, when the number on the scale started to go down, when people told me that I looked better and I looked healthier, when I could get on a treadmill and run again. Because when, when I was, well, let's just say like high 60s kilograms or low 70s, it was hard to run. I couldn't even yeah. run anymore. Couldn't even couldn't swim. I couldn't do the stuff that I used to do. So but you had the higher weight, but then obviously when you had the eating disorders, your weight went right down and then right. eating problems still, but your weight was up? So initially when I was in college, when all this started, my weight went down. Yeah. And then with chewing and spitting and binging and binge fasting, it, it went up. And then there were some times where I could control it better and then it went down. It, I mean, it's just this yeah. constant constant cycle but yeah. like but once once the behavior stopped the, the weight stabilized so it's not like it's not like i had to go on some really strict diet yeah. to get back to where it was like once i stopped the binging and, and these you know overeating episodes then it just it yeah. went down and if you don't mind me asking i mean how tall are you what's your sort of rough weight now just to give people an idea of where you're at yeah i, I guess we should use english units for <laughs> you can go for both if you can. I'll, that'd be impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll start with the English units first. It's five feet four inches, and about well, because I always measure in kilograms. So I guess about one thirty-two and thirty-four somewhere in that range. What pounds? Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, the, yeah, 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 that's the American one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the American <laughs> one. I say. I, I think in kilograms or yeah, I mean this really freaks some Americans out. It's stones. <laughs> <laughs> oh don't go with stones yeah, yeah i'm i'm six stone seven or i don't even know yeah i, I guess one stone is what like six kilos or something so i'm about like i'm about i'm five five eight and a bit as short people always add the extra halves here and there as well so i'm five eight um and i uh what am i i'm about 12 12 stone 12 and a half stone 12 12 and a half stone usually around there and yeah, about it's, it's about 70 something kilograms um and pounds wise that's the american one that always i'm i'm guys 170 something maybe yeah. <laughs> i haven't weighed myself for a long time uh, yeah. I, I don't even think my skill has stone maybe it does I don't, <laughs> i'd imagine don't. it wouldn't i just no. again it's, it's normal for people to, uh, from england just say oh you're like 12 stone 13 stone and i didn't think anything of it until i kind of mentioned that around some uh, american relatives here and they were just like what you're you're lit what do you mean stones like how many how big are these stones like small a pebble or like a rock and i'm like oh i, I suppose yeah that does sound quite strange if you're not used to it yeah <laughs> so, so anyway i i, I yeah. think yeah if i had to guess i'm i'm, I'm just under 10 stone okay yeah. yeah yeah sounds about right okay cool cool yeah <laughs> and but I, I know we're gonna start to wrap this up with the alpha rounds and actually i'm gonna start that with what are some of the key things so someone comes to you what are some of the really fundamentals to get right if you want to have a better relationship with food and have empowered eating you first of all you have to know what it is that you want like what's your ideal outcome and then identify the habits and behaviors that you need to eliminate okay so where you are now and where you want to go and then what's the difference between that okay and then what habits do you need to bridge that gap and I would say the other thing too is get started now because mm. it's not going to be easier. You know, but for years what I would do, I would set this date in the future and be like, oh, it's going to be easier then. It's going to be easier next week, next month, next whatever. And it never was. 
Mm. It was just this constant game. It, I, I call it chasing a mirage. Yeah. And it's, and it just, it never ends. It's like trying to chase the end of a rainbow. It's like, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> and, and you never reach any, and you end up spending a lot of time chasing something that doesn't exist. And what's your thoughts on sugar? Consumption of sugar has obviously skyrocketed. So, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, especially, and especially in America, but also in the world. So what are your thoughts around that accepted norms, which I can't stand accepted norms, but just because no, that's not, that's not a good thing just because everyone's, you know, allowing these things to creep in. So what are your thoughts around that? I, I'm not as anti-sugar as some, yeah. as, you know, some fitness professionals. Uh, yes, sugar consumption has increased, but so has total calories. And so has consumption of vegetable oils. Yes. And so has takeout food or how, how do they say in, in Britain, they carry out or uh, take, uh, take out works. Yeah. I mean, take, I take out like, works. Or I feel like or, in Britain we, we get, I suppose, I don't know, because we consume so much American TV and movies, especially back in the day. And so I feel like we get, we get what we, and then the, the variations, the ones that always throw me that I'm like, what is that? Is you no know, um, tap or you guys faucet. As I say, faucet. See, I don't, I don't, <laughs> why can't it just be a tap? You know, that stuff like that. But yeah, take out, carry out. It, it all makes sense. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah. Yeah. So tap water. Um, yeah. Exactly. I, I, so you guys say tap water. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what comes out of the, the pipes. Well, you, you just said it there. Tap water is what comes out of the tap. Yeah. But yeah, you guys it's... say, but you go tap water is what comes out of the faucet in theory. Yeah, so the faucet. Why is was this yeah. word faucet? I'm like, wh- wh- who d- who invented this? There's certain words where Americans have just gone. You know, I know Britain causes a few problems over here. We're not going to use their word. We're going to make up a new word just just for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make up words like faucet and burglary, and uh, we're gonna really throw them a curveball. Uh, and I, I know it's the same word, but don't get me started on aluminum. So anyway, it's. Aluminium, uh, but I don't know who is saying it right. I don't know because as English people, we like to miss out letters just because that's how we roll. So you know, and uh, I feel like Americans sometimes really pronounce every every letter in the word like aluminum, or as English we say, aluminium. Yeah, well, who says it right? Well, I, I don't know. I guess you know the British were first, so maybe. Well, I, I always have that you know argument. <laughs> Which language are we speaking? That's argument over. But anyway, back to yeah. <laughs> back to back, the, back to this. Well, well back back to uh, sugar, sugars, water. vegetable oils, yeah. Um, yeah. all of that. Yeah. I'm always looking for stuff where they've got less ingredients in because they just so many things we pick. I'm like, why did they stick that in there? Like they just add sugar to stuff and add Tastes and good. add, and you're just like, come on. <laughs> if you want to be healthy, you can do it. Uh, just understand that if you go, if you go to a restaurant it probably has more salt sugar and fat than you're expecting but that's just the cost of eating out yeah right so don't obsess about it you probably shouldn't eat out every day anyway but enjoy the experience definitely okay and as part of the alpha round what is really a you mentioned a tony robbins quote but what is a, an all-time favorite quote of yours or one that just really sums up your approach to life and uh, one of the, one of my quotes and i put i even printed the on a piece of paper and I put it over my, my computer. And I said, when you're going through hell, keep going. You know, when things are not going well, you just, you keep going. You stay the course. 
Okay, like so it. that was that's one of them, and one of and them that fits to our discussion that we've been talking yeah, about as well. Absolutely, and the other one that came to my mind, just like now, was everything is your fault. I don't know who said that. I don't know if that was Jocko Willink. Uh, I, I'm not <laughs> He's a probably man with, was away with words. <laughs> exactly, but that's something he would say. But yeah, everything is your fault in some way. You know, quit blaming others, quit blaming the environment. This is on you. Take ownership of the problem. Yes. Yes, like that. Right. And is there a particularly impactful book for you? Either you read it uh, a certain crucial time or it's just a certain thing you needed to read at that time that, you know, really flicked a switch you or it's just an all-time favorite one? I would say Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal. She's a psychologist at Stanford. And having gone through the interview, from your network, who do you think would make a great interview for Awaken Your Alpha? Like, who would you think, hey, this is going to be my best guess. I recommend this person, whether you, you know, they could be someone you know well, or it could be someone that you've admired from afar, um, and I've got to hunt them. <laughs> and you've got to hunt them. Uh, male or female, or is this? Yep. Uh, okay. And you're looking for somebody who ha who's had kind of an awakening moment. Well, some of you think would be a good interview that's got some value to share. I mean, obviously, if it's someone in your network that, you know, you can help at least that, that connection, that's always useful. Yeah, because I know a, a couple of high profile people, but that would be uh, kind of difficult. Let's see. I can see. get them. I can get them. <laughs> I can get them. <laughs> so it. <laughs> so the, first, the first person that I, I listened to about business or entrepreneurship was Ty Lopez. Okay. That was, that was one of the first people. He had this really good course back in the day. I don't think he sells it anymore, but it was like um, mini MBA. And it was just 60 hours of high quality content. It lit it's literally the reason why I'm here now, because I listened to that course. That's a good recommendation. Okay, I'll go Five hunt years him. Ago. He's a controversial figure. I'd, I'd love to interview him. He's everywhere. So <laughs> he's turned he down a little bit. He was at one stage, you, you go online and it's unavoidable. You're going to see some Ty Lopez thing. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's impressive in itself. Okay, well, if anyone else springs to mind from your network, let me know. And if people want to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way to do so and connect? You can find me on YouTube. My channel is Kevin Bursiaga. And then my website is kevinbursiaga.com forward slash empowered eating. Awesome. Well, Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. This podcast is brought to you by the Talk Accelerator, helping thought leaders increase influence, income, and impact by achieving their talk. If you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talkaccelerator.com. The Talk Accelerator program how to secure and smash your own TEDx talk. You can also book in your complimentary idea clarity call there to talk through any potential ideas you may have. What is your idea worth sharing? I'd love to hear about it and I'd love to speak with you very soon.